Mic check, one, two. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, you know what it is. It is the Core Report. Black Broadway presents the Core Report, and we are here to do the news. You know what time it is, man. I got to say a big shout out to everybody that's been tuning in, that's been tapping in with comments, referrals, just sharing stories, sharing information. That's what this is about. That's what this is about right here. Sharing information, getting ourselves to a place, man, where we all thinking on the same plane. Yo, what's going on right now in the news and the whole entire industry of, you know, just content gathering and understanding exactly what's going on out here is very, very critical. We're at a very critical crossroads right now. And uh, like I said, man, this is the sedition episode. If you don't know what sedition is right here, hey, yo, shout out to my bad Barzi. You know what time it is. Look, it's tax season, baby. You know what I mean? It's hoodie season. It's tax season. I'm out here representing. Y'all know where I'm from. You know what it is. So, yo, but like I said, man, this is about sedition. This is about really speaking against the way that the country that we live in is being governed and the ethics that they're utilizing to enact the policies that affect all of us. Not only the ethics that they're using, but the tools that they're using. And if questioning this is seditious, if it's wrong, then I guess that's what we're doing over here. So buckle in. You all on the algorithm. Let's ride, yo. Man, like I said, we do the news, so we got to start with all of our most newsworthy items, man. Corruption is the order of the day. I got to tell y'all, this is really important. Corruption wholesale across all of our institutions is the order of the day. Currently, the president is dealing with a very intimidating back and forth with the CDC chief over something as simple as masks. When you watch this whole entire interaction and you saw Robert Redfield, the Centers for Disease Control chief, testify under oath, Clearly, after being asked the question, what could we do to prevent this pandemic from spreading any further? He clearly spoke about the importance of masks, the importance of social distancing and getting this thing under control. The president of the United States came out and pulled a Pauly, a Sopranos move and said, yo, that guy didn't say what he thought he said. He, he was mistaken. He was he was totally, you know, I don't know. I, I'm going to talk to him. I'll give him a call. But I think he's wrong. And that is the level of corruption, the level of intimidation, the level of bullying that our government is currently being operated under. This is the Center for Disease Control director who is actually not a political appointment. He's not. That's not a political position. That's a public health position. His whole agenda is to do what is best for the public health. That's how he gets in the legendary books of whatever his occupation is or and he achieves, you know, his career goals. People in these other industries, in, in the politics specifically, their goals are to drive the agenda and make the leader look good. That's all that's happening here. Currently, the person who is in charge of the pandemic is feeling that pressure. Fortunately for us, public health is a real thing. We're not fucking around with that as much. Human rights, civil rights, civil freedoms, however, yeah, we're, those are totally up for sale. Those are totally up for discussion. And the attorney general, the top cop, the highest law enforcement official in the entire country, a lot of people don't understand who the attorney general is, the U.S. attorney general. The attorney general is the person who literally has jurisdiction, has pure view, who is the final authority on all law enforcement interactions in this country. 
what that person thinks and feels and the policies that person seeks to enact, the laws that person seeks to enforce more heavily than other laws is really the bellwether for how this country operates. Bill Barr, who was an attorney general before under a Republican regime, I believe it was the Bush regime. He's back. He's 10,000 times worse because he's been empowered by this racist, ridiculous president that we're operating under right now. This man has basically said that he wants and he fully endorses charging protesters with sedition. That's why this is the sedition episode here. He says that he he supports and fully wants to see people charged to the fullest extent of law under charges such as sedition, overthrowing the government, such as plotting terroristic plots to overthrow the government. And these are protesters. These aren't people who are actively shooting people. No, we haven't had that discussion yet when we get to talking about the actual people who shot sheriff's deputies and police in protesters. No, because those are right-wing protesters. That is a guy whose name is, uh, he's actually a Mexican guy, and he is a part of the right-wing Boogaloo Boys establishment. He did the violence. Again, these aren't things that are being spoken about because the protesters who represent the resistance are the people who are the problem, not the violence. The violence is America's wheelhouse. This is what we do over here. So they're not as concerned about that as they would be when it comes to black people, brown people, people who are not physiologically and psychologically aligned with what this institution and what this administration is about, if they're committing acts of violence, they're fine. Case in point, today there was a huge Second Amendment open carry anti-mask rally in Lansing, Michigan. Big shout out to my homeboy Nick who was there covering it for Showtime's The Circus and just through his Instagram feed, I got a real up close and personal look at what it looked like to really be there. Hundreds of people walking around the streets of downtown Lansing, Michigan with AR-15s, other submachine guns proudly hanging off of their chests, no mask in sight, their own security. Those people aren't being arrested or approached with any type of energy that's comparable to what people who are camping out on BLM Plaza night after night, doing yoga, watching movies, are being approached with. It's not even comparable. It's one of those things that if you're not paying attention to that, if you're not, if you're not able to see exactly how that is a total double standard and it's different, then obviously you're not here to be affected by anything that's going on. It's cool. You're a lost cause. I understand it. I understand people being entrenched and embedded in their positions. It's not something that I would suggest, certainly not something I even like to practice, especially as a journalist. However, it's important that you recognize when people are there. You know what I mean? And that is the reality of the politics and how they use these events and these people to polarize us. The attorney general says this. So if people consider themselves law-abiding Americans, you consider yourself someone who believes in the Constitution, who believes in the powers of law, then why wouldn't you go with what the attorney general is suggesting? Why wouldn't you say, oh, well, you know what? That aligns with what I'm saying because that guy looks like me. He feels the way I feel, and he loves this country just like I do because he serves this country in whatever capacity he does. He represents this country in whatever capacity he does. 
That's the problem with these people being propagandists. Again, corruption is the order of the day. Michael Caputo, nothing's going to happen to Bill Barr. Bill Barr has ascended to the top of his professional grade. He's, he's in a space where he's literally untouchable. Nothing can happen to him short of impeachment, collapses of government. Move that piece off the board. Michael Caputo, however, had to take a quick step back. This man is out on a 60-day medical leave after going on a crazy Facebook rant. Imagine. Most of us get fired for shit like that. Most of us lose our jobs, get canceled, whatever the case may be, for shit like that. Michael Caputo, who is the top spokesman for the Department of Health and Human Services, basically went on an entire rant, again, using the word sedition saying that people who want to see this country go into extreme lockdowns, who want to see social distancing enforced much more, who are pushing for more money and more coronavirus protections, all they are is seditious people who want to destroy the government by blaming this crisis on the current president and calling President Trump the worst president ever and basically blaming, laying all the blame for all society's ills at this guy's feet. I might not go that far, but we're pretty fucking close. You know what I'm saying? Like, this this is a real tipping point right here. This is a real, this has been a real catalyst of a lot of things. We'll talk about how this, this ball, this ball of steam has been building up for quite some time. And actually, interestingly enough, we all added our own little pieces of snow to the ball. And you'll see how this works. However... This guy's on a 60-day medical leave currently for going on this unhinged Facebook rant. And who knows if he'll actually come back. But what we do know is that he's not going to suffer the ultimate consequences that someone who would be suggesting the things that, hey, at times I suggest, is going to feel professionally or personally. Michael Caputo. Just remember the name, though, because that'll be someone who's making some very critical decisions for you. And I just want you to remember how that dude thinks and what was on his mind in 2020. Chad Wolf, who is right now the secretary acting. This administration has had more acting cabinet positions than any other administration in the history of the presidency. Fact. Acting head of the Department of Homeland Security, which is a new department. All we, we all know that that became a thing after 9-11. There was no Department of Homeland Security in the 90s, in the 80s, whatever, whatever. Fact. Anyway, the current acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, today skipped out on a whole congressional subpoena. Said, nah, I'm not coming. You guys want to subpoena me to ask me about what? To ask me about what our immigration policies our policies towards, you know, terrorism and, you know, what what do you want to ask us? What surveilling homeland? Yeah, we're doing all of that. Actually, I'm not here to answer questions moving right along. This is after a federal judge just this week ruled that he may or may not be serving illegally due to some conflicts of interest that are present and also his history of making statements and lack of experience in the whole entire realm of national security. Corruption is the order of the day. Big, big point that I want to make. I made this point post a second ago. Trump, we'll talk about this later, but he's on a real rant against history right now. He's against history. He is against the discovery of anything that is detrimental to the narrative that he wants to present of America. 
He's even gone so far as to suggest actual re-education. So we'll talk about that later. But one thing that Howard Zinn, who I personally find to be the most relevant historian ever for me, for my generation, because he was able to take the voluminous history of America from the opposite side of these conflicts that we're very well aware of, such as the Spanish-American War, the wars against the Native Americans, the Civil Rights Movement, the Labor Movement, all of these movements, he was able to compile written evidence and accounts from all of the people who represented the opposition, the losing side of all of these particular movements, and he was able to collect that into a book, which was real important to me growing up, called The People, A People's History of the United States of America. It tells slavery from the slave's perspective. It tells immigration on Ellis Island from the poorest of the poor Eastern Europeans' perspective. It tells the history of the civil rights movement more from the perspective of the people who lost their lives, who actually had to sacrifice and struggle for that. It tells the entire history of this country, black history, white history, Jewish, Asian Americans. It talks about the perspective of Asian Americans during the internment in World War II. It talks about what German Americans experienced during World War II. Howard Zinn's a master historian. He said this, and this is very important to remember. Government is based on obedience. This shit is an agreement. If we don't agree to abide by what it is that they have prescribed as the way we're going to live our lives and conduct our government, then it won't fucking work. It won't work. And that is something that people have to realize. Over the course of history, people have taken power and reestablished themselves as the authority on how they're going to live their life over controlling interest over and over again. You look at the collapses of monarchies, the collapses of empires, the collapses of all types of historical, the church, institutions that ensnared people and and, and capped people's experience of living fully off. That's something that is no longer tolerable, it's no longer tenable in this particular American society. You're going to see this thing collapse on its own based on that particular fact. That's it. So all this corruption, like I said, it's just the order of the day. The Senate the Senate has now approved two more federal judges. Just keep, keep your eye on all of this. All of these things are important to be aware of. It's important to know because this is the, these are the tools, these are the mechanisms that this thing is using to build up its, its, its charge towards an impossible goal. They're, they're building their arsenal, they're building their army to fight an unwinnable war. But we're going to talk about it. We're going to keep the information flowing. Two more federal judges, lifetime appointments appointed by President Trump. Reproductive rights are going to become a very, very serious issue in the next year or two, I, 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 I challenge. You know, I gather, should I say. This is where we're headed. Reproductive rights, these people are avid pro-lifers. They're lifetime appointments. You can't get them off of the court. Mitch McConnell, meanwhile, in um, the Senate, is refusing to even have a vote, have a conversation about the stimulus package. They're appointing judges who are actively opposed to less people being here. I mean, pardon me, more people being here. Then they're having policy debates that basically put us in a space where 
we're going to have more people that we cannot support. Poverty is going to be higher. There's going to be a much larger poor population and a much smaller and more powerful rich population. Where does that? It's just a recipe for rebellion. It's a recipe for disaster. And I'm watching them do it to themselves. It's pretty funny to watch. Again, this is happening in certain parts of China, Hong Kong specifically. Hong Kong is has a history of imperialism and it has a history of dealing with all the struggles of being a formal colony and being controlled by the British and all of that. In Hong Kong, they've been dealing with a lot of people who are quote-unquote security risks, who are quote-unquote seditious. And those people have been going to jail straight up and down. Those people have been being locked away or being exiled for their activities. In America, what do we do to cut the head off the snake? They've revoked over 1,000 Chinese student visas. They just said, they cited these people as security risks. They're like, yo, you can't even be here. If you're even remotely associated with that WeChat, Free Hong Kong movement, you're out of here. No, no, no learning for you, no Harvard for you, buddy. So, again, that's how this thing moves. And we're looking at our protest movement in America and the way that this has been developing. And like I always say, the people that we admire in the protest movement, the people that we most seek to emulate, are the people who suffered the most at the hands of the oppressor. And I think that that's a very convenient narrative for them because at the end of the day, they get to say, oh, those people suffered so that we could give you whatever incremental change makes us comfortable and keeps you from, you know, blowing the whole roof off of this place. It's a very, you know, it's a very pacifist way to look at this whole entire thing. But... Again, some people would choose to see the upside of that. There is an upside of that where those people had the courage of their convictions and they were willing to carry these things out all the way through and through the end. But, yo, this shit is ugly and it's going to require a bit more strategy and a bit more cunning at the end of the day. The entire protest movement is now taking a whole nother spin because people are learning about things that don't necessarily just grab you like a, a police killing, like a, a body cam footage. You learn about much more nefarious things, things that happen all the time across the globe of government. We talk, One of the main things that's grabbed my attention just recently is this hysterectomy thing that's been happening in ICE detention centers in Georgia. This lady, she's a nurse. Her name is Don Wooden, and she came out as the whistleblower of this to to highlight that she had been treating and contacting a lot of inmates in this particular facility and they all have been saying that they have had hysterectomies and none of them said that they requested them none of them said that they were in a space where they were hurting so badly that they needed that they complained about pain or whatever they went and seen the doctor one time next thing you know they have been sterilized the people responsible for this are have, have been, quote-unquote, exposed. But the larger conversation is so much deeper than that. The, the fact that this particular facility has a, a crazy track record of doing that, well, here's the facts about that particular facility. 30% of the occupants of that particular facility just happen to be Haitians. They're trying to get Haitians out of here. And, not account, and that's not accounting for the other large percentage of that facility that houses African immigrants and, of course, the Latino population. These people who are being sterilized are not 
this isn't just random. This isn't a random population control thing. This isn't just, oh, we're just grabbing all the Mexicans. No. This has to do with something that, again, America has not reckoned with. And it's a very deep thing. Eugenics. We have had presidents, Woodrow Wilson, Calvin Coolidge specifically, who were huge adherents to and believers in eugenics and all the philosophies contained therein. Those policies, those doctors, the the people that educated the doctors that we have now come from that same school of thought. And all of these particular policies, they only can be enacted on captive audiences. You know what I mean? We have, we cannot, we, we don't have enough showtime to get into the history of the uneven distribution of reproductive rights and the way that women, particularly women of color, black women, have always been the guinea pigs and the and the the founders in physical practice of the art, the the study of gynecology and all of that. That's that's too much of a conversation right there. But these particular things have caused people to get up in arms. There's protests now. There's people seeking, you know, answers. Lawmakers in Georgia seeking answers. And here's the thing. That kind of protest takes a lot more sustained energy and a lot more targeted action than just getting up in arms when you see somebody get shot. That shit happens. People get shot. People People martyr themselves. People find themselves in situations where they're unfairly treated and the violence can be dramatic and quick. But this this violence, this systemic violence is to me much more nefarious and much more violent and much more dark and sinister. And that's what I believe that the energy should be focused on. I mean, yo, here's some news for you. Just a few days ago in Ghana... Uh, pardon me, in, um, yes, it was Ghana. Patrice Lumumba's family requested that the Belgian government return his remains to them so they can bury him properly. Do you know what the Belgian government had left of Patrice Lumumba? They had a tooth, a tooth. They dissolved his body in acid and kept a tooth from this man. Just the levels of savagery that, you know, some of the people who claim to have our best interests at heart practice is just mind-boggling at times. So you put all that information together, you process all of that, you're not able to find any upside or upshot in believing that any of this is going to lead to anything but utter collapse and chaos. But it's still nice outside, you know what I'm saying? I still believe in finding the upside in living, but... Yo, this entire system here, nuts, man. Speaking of violent things being caught on tape and being shown to people without a reaction, I sat here and watched this body cam footage. I can't believe I watched this. Two Tulsa policemen were shot by a white guy, and he ended up killing one of these guys. The whole entire confrontation was caught on the police body cam. For some reason, they put the whole thing out. It's 10 minutes long. I cannot believe the amount of violence that went back and forth between the police and this white guy, the the macing, the tasing, the the fighting, the stepping back and forth. And then all that to lead to a shooting where he shot both of them and killed them. And to look at that and to compare that to what happened to Jason Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, you can't be watching the same things 
if you think that that's, you know, comparable or that's comparable treatment. You cannot be living in the same reality. And if you're not, that's understandable because this movie that I just watched really brought that into effect for me. It really brought it into focus for me. Sometimes you live in that echo chamber. You hear what you want to hear. You understand you understand the news the way you want to understand it. But unfortunately, that's not the way that human brains are meant to evolve. We're not meant to only process information that's pleasing to us. We have to be able to process information that's disturbing us or else we won't survive as a people. And that's what the real, real deal is. This It's very, very interesting. I will tell you, yo, these another protest that's kicking off in the middle of the country. Again, like I said, this Midwest thing is very interesting. What's happening in flyover country? The shooter in the Nebraska back in May during the George Floyd, during the height of the George Floyd protest, someone was shot and um, a young man named James Scurlock was shot in Nebraska by a bar owner named Jake Gardner. I don't know if you guys remember this. I've reported on it for sure. But he was shot, and the bar owner claimed self-defense. Again, this is the mentality. Yo, these people are outside protesting for their rights, unarmed, but I'm so frightened, I got to pull out a gun. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's a very sick mentality that's also reinforced. That's the most dangerous part. It's reinforced and supported by the administration and by the government. That's what's really, really, really crazy about the whole entire thing. However, Jay Garner has been indicted. The the county previously decided they weren't going to bring charges on this guy. They decided they were going to accept his defense of self-defense, et cetera, et cetera. Ended up getting sent to a grand jury. You couldn't put 12 people in a room that would say, yeah, like, yeah, this was self-defense, especially based on evidence that he presented himself. See, again, like I always say, this thing is built for implosion. It's not built. It's not built weak. It's not built where people can come from outside and attack it. Yeah, the Chinese, the Russians, they can never. You know what I'm saying? That's not what's going to happen here. This is going to be an implosion. Like all of the best stadium collapses. It comes... It folds down on itself, and then you just get this big hole, and now you got to rebuild something hopefully way doper than what used to be there. There, But it takes some time. It's going to be a vacant lot. It's going to be a shithole for a minute. And uh, that's kind of where we're headed here. You know what I'm saying? Again, this movie kind of helped bring that into focus for me. I appreciated it. Let me take a sip real quick. All right. Now, I can move on, and we can talk about our fair city here. This was this was crazy to me. These two stories coming out of DC kind of took me for a different, different kind of loop today. Well, it's not something that I didn't already know, but let's check it out. In DC, since Initiative 71 has been passed, which you know legalized, you know, recreational uh usage of marijuana, not not the sale which is really crazy because you still got to go through entirely too much bullshit to get good weed. Trust me, I know. One, and two, the entire economy around it, when it comes to the legal economy, is controlled by white dudes and transplants. The people who got locked up, the people who literally have done years, decades in jail for running the weed trade in D.C. in a very organized way, are not, they have no access to enter the legal cannabis market in D.C. Another conversation for another day. The fact that 
threw me for a loop today was that 90% of the marijuana arrests in D.C. since the passage of this law have been black people. How the fuck is weed legal and still 90% of the people who get arrested for it look like me? It's nuts, man. It's, I just, I can't put, I can't make heads nor tails of it. From what I can tell, I have seen the true popularity of weed amongst a diverse array of people since this whole entire shit got started. But now we're back into a whole regressive phase where, yeah, certain people still, you, you can still go to jail fucking around with this weed shit in D.C. Doesn't make any sense to me. Wild story. Second wild story in D.C., very disheartening. I talked about this yesterday briefly. We talked about how mental institutions have been closed down systematically throughout the country. And for the most part, that's very, very true. And a few, a few dedicated mental institutions still exist. One of them being uh, St. Elizabeth's, you know, in Southeast. And the campus, for the most part, has been sold off in bits and pieces to developers and things like that. But the main facility still remains and, it, and the, the purpose that it serves still remains. Over the past year, this, this calendar year, Sadie's has gone crazy with their usage of restraints and isolation as tools to control the prison, the, the, the inmate population. I don't want to say inmate, should I say, I want to say patient. The patient population there, this year alone, today, St. Elizabeth's has used restraints 782 times, and they have administered seclusion, meaning putting people in solitary, 291 times. Compare that. Let's take these numbers back. Compare that to 2012 when they used restraints literally five, five times, five times. 30 times is how many times they used seclusion as a punishment, as a repercussion. Even in 2019, last year, 252 times they used restraints. Whole year. 66 times they used seclusion. Whole year. 291 right now in, in August. If you have people that are suffering from mental health issues, if you have people that you want to see taken care of in a more ethical way, then jailing them, which is, again, I discussed this yesterday. That's what the prison industrial complex became ultimately as a way to warehouse America's mentally ill. Don't send them to these government-run mental institutions because they're operating them just like jails right now. Those numbers are the same probably numbers that you would get at 1901 D Street. Same numbers you would get at D.C. Jail, G. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I don't know what to tell you, man. Those are the type of things that are coming out of the district. That's crazy. Here's this crazy story I heard today, and, and it really took me aback as a Washingtonian. As a Washingtonian, if anybody knows a couple of things, Charles Drew is an important, Charles Drew is a very important Washingtonian, man. Tra- Dr. Charles Drew was the black man who went to Howard University, taught at Howard University, and invented plasma, invented the actual process of taking blood, 
curing it in such a way and storing it in such a way that it could be transported and used on the battlefield to save lives in World War II and any other, the Korean War, any other conflicts that the United States of America had. His creation of plasma was key. Not only that, it was used widely in civilian hospitals amongst people with money to save lives. Charles Drew got a bridge name after him in Brooklyn. I, I'm one of my, that's one of my prouder things that I like to tell people. Like when I'm driving through the city and I got somebody with me that's not from town, I, you know, we'll drive across that little ass bridge in Brooklyn and I'll be like, yo, this joint right here is named after a hell of a guy. Charles Drew, man, this man invented plasma. He was one of the smartest medical scholars that America has ever seen. I knew Charles Drew passed young, but I didn't know how Charles Drew passed until today. Charles Drew died because he could not get a blood transfusion in a hospital that was for white patients. That's how the man who invented the blood transfusion, native Washingtonian, Charles Drew, died. I said, wow, yo, this shit has been wild for a long time. Shit has been filed for a long time. And I just, you know, it doesn't make you, to me, again, I don't use this information to depress me in any way, shape, or form. I just use it to confirm what I already have been aware of is that the battle that we fight in is not a physical one. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the violence that they've inflicted on us, on our community, that shit can never be revisited. You could go out and shoot a whole city. Like you couldn't, you could never revisit the type of violence that has been visited upon us. So it's no reason to even examine that as the sole means of attack here. Education, however, knowing these things, being aware of these things, and dis- defying their, their narrative, that's how you win. Disobedience, yo. Defiance. I love it. I live for it. That's my shit. I don't tell me to do shit. I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's defiance. And you have to be able to say defiantly that you're not going to accept, first, the education. That's the first thing you have to re- reject. And then secondly, you can start rejecting their policies because you're, de- you're educated differently. You have a plan. You have a, a, a mode of attack. You have an idea about how you're going to solve your problems, not necessarily within their context. It's a very scary thought. It's seditious. It's seditious. It's something that they don't want you thinking about. It's something that you're not really encouraged to explore, to examine, you know what I mean? Don't don't start thinking about your own solutions here. Think about asking us for different shit. Think about, you know, how you're going to approach us and how you're going to bend our ear more. Think about your seat at the table. I've always th- I've, I, I've always hated that phrase. Fuck the table. Whose table is it? Who house is it in? Why I want a seat there? You know what I'm saying? Like, if I wasn't invited, yo, somebody told me a long time ago, if you wasn't invited, don't go. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't pull up. You know, what you need to be, what do you need to be there for? Are you crashing a party? If you're crashing the party, to what effect? You know what I mean? Again, all of these things, all of this information, all of this knowledge, all this education, all it's meant to do is make you think 
differently. Look at things differently. Look at things in a different light than you're being encouraged to. You know what I mean? That's it. And that's all. You know, currently, like I said, I've always said this and we all live this. America is a very anti-intellectual place. It's a very, well, we don't really appreciate smart shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, Smart asses, wise asses, whatever you want to say, you know what I'm saying? That's not appreciated. That's not respected. It's not honored in this particular environment. So at the end of the day, we all have our fights against anti-intellectualism. We got to fight against it. We're living in a pandemic. <laughs> We're living in an entire pandemic where it's, it would kind of be our best bet to listen to the scientists. However, that doesn't seem to be the motivation tonight. Doesn't seem to be the motivation this week, this year. The Big Ten, which originally made a pretty intelligent decision on COVID, was like, yo, you know, we're not going to put our college athletes out there to die from, you know, football exposure. You know, hey, they saw the money getting spent. They saw the ads being run. They saw the shows being watched and produced about SEC football and so on and so forth. America, again, is built to implode. These people are definitely going to destroy themselves in pursuit of maintaining what it is they have, as opposed to looking forward to what it is that you could have. So, you know, they're back to playing football again. New York City vowed to open public school. I believe it was this week, what, the 21st? New York City is supposed to be opening public schools. Pushed it back. It doesn't make sense. And it's so anti... People are so anti-intellectual that they want to fight now. They want to, of course, people are up in arms about this. Whole another thing about Brooklyn, uh, New York City, too. The cab drivers in New York City, the yellow cab drivers in New York City, went and had a, a protest today. I, I should have put this in my protest block. Cab drivers in New York City had a protest today where they blocked off the Brooklyn Bridge. Now, look. I'm as much sympathetic to, you know, workers' rights as the next guy. But if we're going to keep it a bean, the cab drivers of New York City really got a, a, a long way to go with me to get me on their side. So at the end of the day, they are the reason for their old downfall. Again, these implosions. They made the lane so that Uber could come, so that Lyft could come, and all these other different ride-sharing operations could come. Public transportation became even a more, you know, uh, attractive prospect for a lot of our community than catching a cab. It's crazy out here, man. Them tables, one thing about them tables, they do turn. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that's another thing going on in New York City. But yeah, like I said, they pushed back that school opening thing, and again, Anti-intellectualism still hasn't quite won today, but oh, they're fighting really, really, really hard. Meantime, in between time, you know, we started this show off as the core report. We talked about lots of issues mainly revolving around quarantine and mainly revolving around COVID and America's response to that or lack thereof. And now we've evolved into this social justice moment where... A lot of our conversation has been about, um, you know, racial injustice and America's history of racial injustice and people's long fettering, long bubbling response to that. Now we've moved into an even more, I believe, transcendental phase of this thing where we're talking about the whole entire government as a whole, man. Like this thing is growing and, and, and evolving where the conversation now 
We're talking about this whole entire society now. It's not. We understand that this pandemic is something that probably is not going to go away. You already, and not only that, we understand that our government is not dedicated to that particular aspect of pandemic uh, management. They're they're dedicated to managing it, not to eradicating it. So, with that knowledge, with knowing that we all got to live, we all got to eat, we got kids to take care of, we got life to live. You know what I'm saying? It's very important that you start to organize your resistance in a way that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? For you, like, look, I'm not going to sit around and wait for the government to collapse. I'm not sitting here having an echo chamber conversation thinking that, oh, I'm going to build an army that's going to take over the whole entire United States government. That's not what's really going on here. None of this is about taking over or cooing or anything like that. The biggest coup that you can ever organize is the one up here. Like, when you don't believe the hype, when you don't believe what they tell you, when you're not able to be affected by or controlled by narratives that have been prescribed to you, rather you are dedicated to your own reality, it makes you very difficult to manage. You know what I'm saying? It makes you very difficult to manage. It makes a country very difficult to manage. Groupthink is important. Groupthink is mandatory. You know what I'm saying? This shit doesn't work without groupthink. So, at the end of the day, I pride myself on not encouraging groupthink, which is why I'm not on this bitch telling everybody, yo, follow, like, subscribe, da 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 Do that, but at the end of the day, yo, think for your fucking self. Go read a fucking book, and then hit me up and be like, yo, I read this book. This is dope. You know what I'm saying? All right, great. That's the type of energy we moving with. Oh, I saw this. I heard that. I read this. Yeah, great. Now we're sharing information. Now we're getting able to, we're having discussions about shit that they haven't necessarily put on our plate for us to have to discuss. You know what I'm saying? And it's all crazy distractions, all crazy nonsense, foolishness, yo. I got to get into this because this is one of the most nonsense, foolish things that is being discussed widely on the internet. And I think it's actually important that you understand how stupid it is and why you gotta fucking take the opposite route of this. Kanye and this contract shit. Like, anybody that's paying attention to this or anybody that's watching this, I hope that there's nobody that's sitting here and that's really taking the standpoint that, yeah, Kanye is doing something real heroic. You know, he's risking his his career and his his popularity in order to come out here and expose the record industry. No, I mean, that's part of it. What's really going on here is that people who are capitalists love capitalism until they figure out that they're on the losing end of more deals than they're on the wedding end of. Then it's, oh, we need rights. We need regulation. This is history. Every time fucking John D. Rockefeller or Carnegie or Vanderbilt had a problem and something was stopping them from achieving capitalistically, they made the biggest think about it. They got the biggest lawyers. They bought congressmen. They bought presidents. They bought people in to solve their problems. You know what I'm saying? When they find this shit out, when they figured out that they was out here being, you know, uh, exploited as well or utilized as well, they didn't like that. And that's the realization that I believe Kanye is having right now. It's really fucking dumb to me, for one, because as someone who paid rapt attention to the record industry for the majority of my life, 
Record company people are shady. That's industry rule number 4,080, period, G. You are definitely getting screwed. And secondly, that's the price of admission. Thirdly, you re-up on all of these things in pursuit of what? Capitalism. So you can win. So you can't be mad when you find out you're slightly losing too. It's life. It's the game. It's the game that's being played. And it's unfortunate that a lot of us aspire to play this game so much that we think that there's some merit in, you know, pointing out who's the wins and the losses and, yo, man, this isn't fair. This, I tell my son this shit all the time. Fair is a place where they judge pigs. That shit is not real life, all right? There's no such thing as fair, all right? This game is controlled and manipulated by people who want power. And once they figure out how to hold power over people, then they oppressively do so. When you gain a little bit of education, you realize something that you should have been realized instinctively for a long time that they fucking have the foot on your neck. Like you should have known that a long time ago. Maybe you thought that those hugs and those handshakes and those invites to the Hamptons and all that shit was real. Or maybe you did. Maybe you were gullible enough to believe that. That's not real life. And that's what I try to explain to a lot of people who experience capitalistic wins often. You know what I'm saying? And it's not to say that I don't want people to live their life. Yo, money, having money is much more of a pleasant experience than not having money. You know, I'll definitely attest to that. However, winning in the game of capitalism requires a certain level of self-sacrifice that, you know, a lot of our people are not in a position to do without causing great harm to others, without causing great harm to others achieving that very same goal. And a lot of times, you know, that's a sacrifice that people are willing to make for their comfort, their personal comeuppance. I don't personally want to live like that, but that's understandable. That's that, The logic is there. You know what I'm saying? Now, what you really got to understand, and this blew my mind a bit, watching this documentary, The Social Dilemma, really helped me understand that if you're not paying for something, if something is quote-unquote free, you are the product. And that blew my mind. I, I actually had to take a step back and say, wow, hold up. Let me analyze that statement for a second. All of these services, the one we on right now, Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, Snapchat, whatever, whatever, Twitter, TikTok, all of them, we all signed into these joints. We all gave them access to not only the data that we use to sign in, but to monitor our activity on these platforms. That activity, that attention is the product. That's what's for sale. If you ever bought a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad, as I have, you know that you pick out the demographic, the target of people that you want. I could literally narrow it down to say I want just fucking you. You know what I'm saying? Whoever you are. I can buy time on your timeline. I can buy it. I can buy your attention. That is what is for sale. And if that's for sale, if we're for sale, if our attention is for sale, who's the buyer? It's not Facebook. It's not WhatsApp. It's not Instagram. The buyer is the corporations. The buyer is the advertisers. 
anybody who's putting ads together, they're buying your time and you are selling them your time without even being aware of it because there's a middleman, a third party that has managed to monopolize your attention and now they charge him for it. They charge him for it. They have allowed themselves to insert themselves in your life and all, all of our lives so much so that they know that we're going to have you here. We pick the right colors, the right shape of the screen, all of that to make sure that you stay here for XYZ amount of time every day. Everybody got a screen time application on their phone. Look at it. That's how much time you, you on the auction block. That's how much time you are for sale every day. You know what I'm saying? Through Gmail advertisements, it doesn't matter. Through LinkedIn, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. All of these platforms, what they're if they're free, quote unquote, what the product is, is you. You know what I mean? And yo, when you think about the country in that way, and you think about the world in that way, you think that, yo, I've agreed to a lot of shit. I've signed up for a lot of shit. I signed up for this social media shit. I signed up for school, whatever it is that you signed up for. You signed up for a lot of shit. Now, what do you, de- what do you demand of those things that you signed up for? What do you ask of those institutions that you have pledged your fealty to? You know what I'm saying? What do you ask of Facebook, really? Just don't crash. And that shit crash whenever it wants, and you're not going to do nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you ask of Instagram, Twitter, whatever? Again, like I said, nothing. They don't even put your algorithm, they don't even put your, your timeline in order anymore. You know what I'm saying? If, you don't, if they don't want you to see something, you don't see it. Algorithms control this now. It's outside of human control now. And what do you ask of these people? Nothing. So if you live like that with apps, with technology, imagine and transfer that same apathy and look at what you ask of your government. What you ask of your leadership? Nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, just don't. We're, we ask the bare minimum of the United States government. Just don't collapse. Don't lead us into a, a, a catastrophic war or something like that. Yo, it's a very, <laughs> it's a, it's a very, uh, a very lacking way to live. It's a very way. It's a very lacking way to live. Don't lack. You know what I mean? News information. All of that is important so you know where you are lacking where, and, and in real time. You know what I mean? Once you get to a space where you can analyze information in real time and you can predicate your movements based on real, true, accurate information that gives you the perspective that you need in order to move away from danger, then you can start to live in a little bit you know, more of a free manner. We all operate out here. We're not free. You know what I'm saying? We live in it. We we live in America. Like this the the level of freedom that we experience here is limited. Even if it's greater than anywhere else comparably. There's still limits. So at the end of the day, we function how we function, we grow how we grow, we learn how we learn, but we learn in a certain direction. We just going in a certain direction. And that's it. You know what I mean? The news, the information, all of that is meant to Put you in a direction, man. That's it. That's all, man. Sedition, overthrowing governments, heresy, all of that. I leave that for alarmists and extremists. You know what I mean? 
Word to Howard Zinn, man. It's all about understanding history and past events in order to inform the questions that you ask about current and future events. That's it. You know what I'm saying? What happened, happened. The past is the past. Even when, as I report about this news, everything that I report about already happened. That shit's done. You know what I'm saying? What we got to talk about, what we focus on, what we move forward with is the things that this information can allow us to act on. And that is the winning part, yo. That's the part where you went at. Again, I highly recommend The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Really good joint. Trump with this bullshit-ass 1776 project. I highly recommend you boycott that shit. As a matter of fact, I highly recommend just because that asshole did this or is attempting to do this, I think everybody needs to go outside and read from top to bottom the 1619 project. It's a very good read. Like, their whole platform is anti. Anything that the the left or, you know, I hate to use these polarizing terms in that way, but anything that they do, the Republican or the 45 administration's response is just to do the opposite. Not to do something totally original that, you know, represents their values because they don't have none. Their response is just to do the opposite. So we got the 1619 Project. They got the 1776 Project. Hey, when the 1776 Project comes out, I'm sure I'll take a gander at this lies and propaganda. But do yourself a favor and read Nicole Nicole Hannah-Jones' 1619 Project, expertly curated list of articles, videos, all kinds of resources that show you this history of institutional racism and ethno-state desires since this whack-ass little country jumped off not even 300 years ago. So we'll see how this thing goes, man. But uh, yeah, man, that's the news for the night, man. I've decided to make the core report a Tuesday and Thursday kind of product right now because in real life, y'all got shit to do. You know what I'm saying? You got to take care of these babies. got to spend more time with the family. got to glow and grow up into my, yo, I got a lot of things I'm reading that I really want to finish. This, most importantly, I really, yo, this book right here is super important, man. Please go read Carol Anderson's One Person No Boat and also read White Rage by Carol Anderson. Super important information here, man. I'm really trying to catch up on my reading. You know what I'm saying? Take more bike rides before the season gets too chilly. You see, I got my Nike tax on. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready to go. And um, it's uh, it's just important, man, to like come to this format with an organized, put-together show. Like I said, we going to Twitch. This shit is serious. I got my next monitor. I can show y'all the little equipment pile I got, but I'm proud of it. And I'm really trying to build a little bit more, you know what I mean? Uh... We're just working, man. Just working. Every day, every week. You know what I'm saying? Life is good, man. Thank you all for tuning in, rocking with this thing week after week. Listen, if you want to donate anything to the cause, you can definitely cash out and drop anything off you want at Black Broadway Media. Dollar sign Black Broadway Media. Yo, that's it. You know what I'm saying? We out here. We trying to glow up. We try to grow up. Period. And this, the news is important, man. So, it's brought to me, it's brought to you by viewers like you. I appreciate all of y'all, man. Remember, things work out the best for those to make the best of the way that things work out. And um, we'll be back, yo. 
Black Broadway presents the Quill Report. Peace! That's how you do a podcast, kids.